What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Shank Happens with PGA Memes. I'm joined by my boy, Joe, the average Joe. What's happening, man? What's up, brother? Dude, I got a crazy story for you this week. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's hear it. All right. I take, uh, as, as you know, I, I work with a number of athletes, and one of them is, is uh, Dallas Cowboy wide receiver Michael Gallup. Uh, MG. And Michael, MG. And Michael Gallup and I uh, go to play golf this weekend. Very excited about it. And before the round, we're going to grab a couple Gatorades in the 19th hole. And we go in, and the bartender comes around uh, to ask us what we want, and he gets that excited look on his face uh, that, that they often get when I'm hanging out with Michael, uh, especially in Dallas. And I'm like, Oh gosh, you know, you always want to keep your guy not having to get in the middle of everything. Michael is the best in the world at it. He loves everybody and is just great with fans, but you know, I get a little nervous and I'm like, Oh boy. And the guy walks over, looks up with this huge excited look on his face and goes, are you average Joe from the GM golf videos? <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, man. <laughs> dude, Mike looks over and goes, what? And I, he, <laughs> dude, I lost it. Did he even recognize MG even after that or no? No. And I didn't say anything, obviously, because you don't want But in my head, I'm going, dude, why are you talking to me? Do you know who I'm standing next to? Like, <laughs> you know, and the, the thing for me is, is if you watch the videos and read the comments, most of the fans hate me anyways. So it, when I meet somebody who knows who I am, it's usually, I'm usually nervous for my life because they don't like me. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious, dude. Look at you. Tables and turn. So MG rolling around Dallas with a celebrity. <laughs> that's awesome. But just absolutely ridiculous. Under oh, that's awesome. Well, we got an awesome podcast today. We're back after yes. a little bit of a break. We're going to talk about the memorial at two weeks stop there at that, at that venue. Uh, they finished up with Jack's tournament. I also went out to Oregon on a special trip to Bandon Dunes. So we're going to recap that, but lots of storylines and lots of awesome things that, uh, that came from that that last tournament. But obviously we want to give a a special shout out to our sponsor for the podcast, Mizzen and Main. Uh, we've, you know, asked you before, if you haven't checked them out, go to their website, mizzenandmain.com. We've got incredible gear. Joe, they've also got uh, something special dropping this week, right? Bro, they do. I was just about to ask, have you heard about the Wilson lifestyle polo? It looks amazing the colors are on point the style is sharp and it's the most comfortable most comfortable dress shirt i've ever worn on a golf course and i can't you know again i can't say enough about the pants but these i like i we need a discount code we need something you know because i'm gonna probably pick up all of them yeah no they're awesome man i mean i've got a couple of the phil polos the the line of the wilson lifestyle polos look amazing so a little more pattern a little more color uh excited to uh check them out go to mizzen and maine dot com well, let's jump right over to the first tee let's talk about uh last week's tournament i mean the memorial is usually played in june so we're you know a little bit of over a month um behind schedule there given the quarantine and everything but the, the course played uh tremendously difficult uh it was like it's, almost u.s open conditions i was gonna say it's 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 the u.s open that we were supposed to have last month has taken place after this weekend yeah i Man. mean they were the average scoring on sunday i think was over 76 and you had guys throwing up i mean dj missed the cut shooting 80 80 you had kepka that shot you know eight over one day as well I and mean, you know tiger finished up being i think uh over par like five over par so it's, i mean these guys were just you know, 
it wasn't like they were spraying it all over the place, but it was playing fast and firm, you know, running out of room and fairways. Yep. It Phil laying up on a par three yesterday. I mean, he's like, listen, I've been making doubles on this hole. He goes, I hit to the fairway on the right side and hope to make a three. I made a four and got out of there. But I mean, it's just like insane <laughs> to see that at a regular tournament. Who putted that, from 78 yards? Like, let's not forget that. He putted yeah. from 78 yards in the middle of the fairway. Yeah, and then That's, hit a monster flop shot. Oh, my, the part. flop was insane. But I'm telling you, I mean, it was – I mean, and, and you know what? For all the talk about we got to dial the ball back, distance is too much, blah, 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 blah. I'm out on that. This is what we need. Yeah. Make it hard. Yeah. Make you have to be tactical, make you play – well and like strategize and like play good golf you know yeah, i mean there, there was all this talk from even the rna coming out you know this week talking about bryson and congratulating him on his transformation and everything but you know he was like saying what you're saying you know, we got to dial the ball back we got to figure out a solution there's still so much skill involved i mean bryson hits it 400 yards but if you know he's got 60 yards out and he still makes a par it's like okay well there's so much skill involved around the greens that obviously you have people that, you know, like Tiger and Phil and Seve and these people, you know, that have just been traditionally just amazing wedge players or get up and down from everywhere, drain putt. I mean, you have, that's the hardest part of the game. I mean, there's a lot of like long drive hitters. They can yeah. hit the ball a country mile, but you don't see them out on the PGA tour, you know? So, that's exactly right. yeah. so I don't know. It's interesting, but yeah, Bryson's first drive of the week, it was all over, you know, the headlines and social media it was 423 yards or something, but yep. I mean, he was trending to just make the cut and then obviously made a 10 on the par five pack nine. And yeah, that helped Tiger that out quite tough. a bit, right? It, it did. I mean, welcome back, Tiger, first of yeah. all. Hallelujah. Yeah. Um, probably, you know, won't see him again for a little bit. I, I'll be surprised if he plays WGC. I mean, he yeah. you know, week before major, he has nothing to prove. But, you know. It, interestingly enough, but, but, you know, it, it, Bryson's 10 secured Tigers remain for the weekend. You know, he made yeah. the cut and who would have thought, who would have thought after what we've seen out of Bryson to start this year, that he would have been the one who was determining whether a group of people make the cut or not on a whole. Yeah. I, I mean, it just goes to show, I mean, it's probably good for Bryson to put him in check. He's been the talk of golf since quarantine and he's been, you know, top of the leaderboard, every tournament coming back. He finally won his last event, but this is probably good to like humble someone, put him in check a little bit, like, Hey, dial in your overall game. Like this, maybe this bombing mentality won't work everywhere. You know, like you gotta, so it could be good. I mean, it takes some time. If he's, he, he was in contention last year at the 3M. Um, I'm not quite sure if he's playing in it this week or whatever, but he lost at the very end to Matt Wolf. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, it's another event where I think, you know, he'll be able to bomb it all over the place again. But, but yeah, that, that course was playing overly difficult this week. It was fun to watch. I love it. I, I you know, I think you have your solution. And, and, and this is what I'll say is you want weeks where guys shoot 20 under because it makes the weeks where guys struggle more enjoyable. If you watch guys struggle every week, Where's the fun in that, right? They, yeah. You want us, you want the birdie fests, right? What makes Augusta so great? It's not when guys hit it in the water on 15. It's when guys clear the water on 15 and make the eagle putt. You know, yeah. that's where you get the roars. You want the roars in golf. And, and so for me, I'm like, hey, 
figure it out. You're going to have your weeks that are, you know, very scorable and people can go and get after the course. And that's great because you want to see Bryson hit it 420 yards and make an Eagle on a green that he drove. But then yep. you want the weeks where it's like, Hey, you also have to like train and play strategic golf. You have to work in all areas and be prepared for all areas. So I love it. I commend them on what they did with the course. I commend them on, you know, setting an example for what I would love to see become a, a standard on the PGA tour. Yeah. Crazy. They were already ripping up the course for all these new course designs that Jack has to make it even more difficult. So excited to see what happens next year, but let's, let's talk about the big storyline. So our boy, John Rom, who was on a previous episode, uh, held Rombo. on. It was a little shaky there at the end. I mean, he was, he was, he was, uh, giving a few uh, strokes back to the field. I didn't know if Ryan Palmer was gonna, you know, come back and sneak a victory, but Rom held on was victorious and with that and with Rory's uh, placing in the tournament he overtook the world number one ranking being the second Spaniard to take that uh, with Seve so pretty cool uh, you know Rom's I think the top five as far as youngest players to ever reach the world number one ranking and you know incredible career so far for John and you know we talked with him earlier on our podcast about catching fire at the right time you know, if someone were able to do that, they could get multiple wins back to back. I mean, yeah, you've got, you know, a couple of tournaments in between, but the PGA championships coming up right around the corner and then, you know, you're WGC, stacked with several other no majors. So, yeah. Yeah. You got a no yeah. cut event in WGC at a course that is very gettable and you are going to end up having the ability. I, I, I'm telling you guys trending in the right direction. I love it. I, I think he even talked to us about, being number one on the podcast, didn't he? Do we have, yeah. can we, I'd love yeah, to we, we, Yeah, we talked about, you know, what that meant to him, but also, you know, if you talk smack with other players about rankings and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll dig some of that content up and share it this yeah. week, but congrats to John. Like, that's awesome, man. Um, you know, there's a few things that happened though throughout the event that I thought were worthy of, of talking about right now. I mean, one is when, you've, when you're sitting on a four, five or six shot lead in an event, how do you play that? I mean, do you just play your game or do you start kind of playing a little more conservative? Cause you know, he comes out on the back nine on a par five that's been playing a little difficult and hits driver and ends up making a, you know, a bad mistake and, and makes a double there, which kind of started a little bit of a, a I wouldn't say meltdown cause he ended up pulling it back together, but it, it opened the door, uh, you know, for other players I mean, so I'm sitting there, and I'm, I was actually at Buffalo Wild Wings for a little bit, watching some of it, and mm, I finished watching nice. it when I got home. But at the end of the day, I was like, do you just take a four-iron out and then hit a wedge, wedge, and, you know, make a par or, you know, whatever? Like, what, what do you do when you have such a lead like that? I mean, obviously, you and I are on the tour, but do you think you play more conservative, or do you no. just, hey, play my game? Play my game. I mean, it, watch it in any sport. Whenever you start to go conservative – is when your mentality changes. I mean, think about think about in the Super Bowl or in uh, basketball games or what you know when when you start with a major lead and you get comfortable and you're like, okay, let's play smart, let's play you know careful ball, let's play not to lose. Yeah, that's when you're going to lose. So you play your game no matter what. It, you know, and and I I am a firm believer of. I have the skill set to put me in the lead. I have the skill set to finish in the lead. Let's yeah. go play. 
That's yeah. that's my mentality. No, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, you see a lot of people take their foot off the gas and a lot of other people you open the door and, and then it starts creeping into your mind. But, you know, talking about that, so he, he made a bogey on 10, made that double on 11 that we just talked about, and then, you know, came back with a par, par, made bogey on 14. So it was like, okay, what's happening here? Like, you know, I think he got this, this close to this, I think he was 10 under, but um, on 16, he misses the green, which it looked like it was going in the water, okay? And he approaches his ball. He's just he's on the short side of the green and hits a wedge shot and drains it for a birdie, which would have gone down as one of the more incredible shots in amazing. tournament history. You know, it, it rivaled Tiger's chip in when he was uh, paired was with Ricky. I was going to say the same. Yeah, so it was it looks just incredible. Exactly, and then the reaction, yeah. everything, it was just like what we're dying for, right, with sports. Like, if you had a crowd around that green, it would have just been erupting. Yep. And it was controversial, though. So the ball was moving, right? And you see that on a very zoomed-in camera. You can't see it probably with the naked eye. And Rom, I mean, had a good explanation. Like, you're dialed into your shot, and you're kind of looking at the pen. You're not really looking down at the ball but a blade of grass kind of moved the ball back and forth. And that's probably about as much as it moved, but um, they started reviewing it a few after that hole. And when he came in is when they told him that they were going to give him the penalty, which was two strokes, which ultimately didn't affect the tournament. Thank goodness. I mean, but we want to talk about this real quick. So I think cause Joe and I are on a little bit of a different page here, but if that happens and they were able to identify that that was actually a penalty right then and there, you know, would you um, would you want to know right then and there, or would you want to find out about it? Two after things. The fact? One, it, keep in mind they told him that they were reviewing to see if they were going to have to assess a penalty. They did make him aware of that, um, and then and they told him about the penalty afterwards. So there's it's kind of two questions here. It's like, would you want to know that there's a possibility to be assessed a penalty, and would you want to know mid round that you had or had not received the penalty? And the answer for me is emphatically yes. Tell yeah. me. I, I need to know because I need to know where I stand. And you have, yeah. you have way different mindsets on this in golf. But you have golfers who are leaderboard watchers every single hole. What's going on? You know, I'm looking up. That's me. At every hole, I want to know where my competition stands and what I have to do to sure. go and, and, and get where I want to be. Um, and then you have guys who have absolutely no clue. There are guys out there that I think even would tell you they're not entirely sure what they shot sometimes. I mean, it's, you know, I think, yeah. I think they get so dialed in and think about what they're doing that they sometimes have to go back and, and like revisit their scorecard to make sure that they've added it up right. Um, you know, those are kind of two extremes there. But for me, I am a, I need to know right now because I need to know what I have to do to win this golf tournament. Mm -hmm. And, and there's, there's no question in my mind, even if it's, even if it's a, you know, Hey, there's a possibility of it in my mind that at least tells me, okay, take two strokes off right now and figure out how you go win this golf tournament. Do yeah, everything. I mean, I don't can. disagree with anything you said, because I think it's, you're right. Like it's up to the player. And for me, like, I think it just, I think it would depend on certain situations too. Like I'd be going both ways. I mean, for me, I think to argue that, I just think like if I knew right then and there, like, hey, I just made a bogey, double bogey, and then maybe another bogey, and now I'm going to make, you know, a bogey or a double 
and, and like you have this penalty that maybe you don't agree with. I know John was a gentleman and handled it the right way, but Perfectly. listen, yeah, but most people would when you know it's still not going to affect your paycheck and your outcome That's of the tournament and all that stuff. But you mean yeah. to tell me that if that cut back two strokes and Ryan Palmer one by one, you don't think John Rahm would have, you know, punched somebody in the face? I mean, I, I mean, honestly, like the ball, like barely moved even Brandel Shambly was on the golf channel afterwards talking about some other rule I wish I even knew what it was but how that they implemented a new rule this year and that should protect John and if he wanted to argue that rule he probably could have won that argument so yeah. I mean it, it's just right there it's in the gray area but the fact that it didn't affect the tournament you know I think the PGA Tour kind of just had to make the call just to set the precedence but the fact that it didn't affect the outcome they waited to the end but I mean I don't know I mean if you knew about it it could affect you the wrong way. You know, you could dwell on it. If you're a player who dwells on things that you feel like, like for instance, you know, I played a recent round where I was behind some trees and I hit an amazing um, like four iron to like they had to hit, hit it like a big hook under trees. And I, punch, I was going to punch it to the front of the green to try to get a par bogey at worst forever. And it, I hit it so low that it ended up hitting the rake by a bunker and it just stuck there. And like, I, that bothered me so much. It stayed with me for two holes. You know what I mean? And like, that was just a casual round. I'm just hanging out, but like, it just pissed me off and it just bothered me and bothered me and it affected me on other shots. So it's like, that's one thing where it's, you know, it could dwell with you. Maybe he makes a bogey there like he did. Maybe he makes a five. I don't know. And he's still in the lead, but what is, how does he do the next hole? I mean, going to the next hole like he did, and the whole after that, after making the most incredible birdie probably of his career, you know, he was he had some swagger and played great. So I don't know. I don't know if it affects it differently. It's just tough, but it's a tough call. But luckily it didn't affect the outcome of the tournament and he was able to come out ahead because he deserved it. He played the best this last week. Everybody's mind, everybody's mentality in, in mind, the way that they process things is is different. But we're talking about some of the top athletes in the world and at least the the top of the top for their sport. And you got to believe that if you have a winner's mentality, then you know how to put that out of your mind and focus on what's ahead. Yeah. And that's just, that's just what, that's what my thought process would be on it. No, so you're think, right. And you know, I think John Rom today is at that point. John Rom maybe a few years ago would have, become that dude perfect rage monster that we talked about <laughs> you know earlier like that. he probably you know he maybe gets a rake somewhere and breaks it over his knee or something yeah. you know <laughs> but man I, hats off to john you know congratulations you know i'm hopefully him and his wife kelly and some family friends were able to celebrate last night because that's a huge accomplishment he's on top of the golf world right now so hopefully he's what able great- to take that into future weeks and go get that first elusive major victory what a what a great tournament to come back and win too. I mean, it's you know with Jack and the history and special. It's really special. So I'm excited, you know, and and hopefully in the future, I the PGA Tour made the right call based on the rules, right? I looked up the rules this morning. I read what the uh, rules official had to say from the tournament. It was the right call. It was accepted the right way. Everything was handled the way that it should have been handled. Yeah. But with that being said, the one thing that, that you got to look at, and, and Brandel bringing it up, I, I need to go and, and research what Brandel's point was, but Brandel bringing up 
there's a rule there that, to protect them from, from situations like that. I, I believe he's correct. I, I thought that they mentioned that last year, so I'm surprised it didn't come into effect, but, but I need, again, I need to do more research. But my issue is, I promise you, when you mark a ball in the green, that ball never goes in exactly the same place. It's not possible. It's just not possible for the ball to – you may be one one-hundredth of a millimeter off, sure. but it's never going to be in the same place, right? If you play lift, clean, in place and you mark your ball, it's not going in the same place. That yeah. ball, when he places his club on a blade of grass, that ball dropping down – and then kind of coming back up the way that it did affected nothing. It, yeah. there, this is not a Patrick Reed situation where I'm scooping the ground out behind it, try to get myself a better situation to hit this ball. The guy was placing his club to address his shot. And that's where I would look at. I'm not mad at the tour. I don't think anyone did anything wrong. I don't have a problem with anything, but it, it should be addressed. Then when coming to address the ball should and not if he hits the ball with his club, that's on him. Pay attention. Sure. But should an outside factor affect your ball in minimal way, and they'd have to figure out how to define that, it should not be a penalty. That's my opinion. I agree. All right, let's move on to that abound segment real quick. Four! We're talking about uh, something special. I want to talk about a special trip that I was able to take last week at Bandon Dunes. Joe's a little upset, so he's going to probably sit there and pout in the corner because he wasn't on the trip. But – I was there with a couple of buddies, um, and you probably saw some posts on uh, my feed, on Coach Rusty's feed, but Bandon Dunes just holds a special place in my heart. I was able to go there again. I've been there probably about half a dozen times, but I wanted to spend some time to talk about, you know, the new rankings I have on the course. They just opened up Sheep Ranch uh, last month, and then just kind of give some helpful tips. I know we brought Janella in a couple pods ago to talk about Bandon, talk about Pinehurst, but Bandon's just – an incredible place. If you haven't been, you know, you got to go. I know Joe's salty right now because he wanted to go last week, but you got to you, go if sometime. You, if you haven't been, let me tell you, the pictures look amazing. <laughs> well, we had our boy AJ there who was flying like multiple drones in 4K and slow-mo. He's got all these this incredible equipment. I mean, he obviously shoots for the PGA Tour, but the content that he provided just as teasers – was incredible. I, I'm really excited to see what he's going to be coming up with over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, overall, I've never been in the summer. Okay. So I've always gone to Bandon in like October or February where you have more chance of rain, but you have much less chance of, of high winds. So it was pretty windy this last week. Uh, even the morning rounds had, you know, 15 mile per hour, you know, winds with gusts up to 2025. The afternoon rounds though were, ridiculous i mean you're talking minimum of 25 gusts of 40 mile per hour winds so we went in and our schedule was this we got there monday we flew into portland uh it's the safest option because your clubs are going to be there with you then you can just drive down it's a beautiful drive you know if you're from texas especially you don't have much scenery when you're driving on a freeway so it was, it was a treat to see all like the the mountains and the, the trees and on the water and stuff but at the end of the day, you want to go play preserve. It's a par three. It's a 13-hole course. The longest hole on that course is, I think, 165 yards. But you Bro, go out was, there with literally five clubs and just go honestly, out there and play. That was probably, out of everything that you guys posted, Sheep Ranch looks amazing. But out of everything yeah. you guys posted, the thing I wanted to play the most was a preserve. 
I looked at oh. that and I was like, bro, I would spend hours out here with my guys. Like just yeah. dude, that. I wanted to loop it and play a second time because and they were like, Oh, it's been a long day. And I'm like, dude, it's 13 holes, and we played it literally in like an hour and something. It was just like boom. But yeah, um you could it, like they ought to put lights out there because I'll yeah. be going till three o'clock in the morning. That well the views are incredible some glow you in still the dark have, golf balls. Yeah, you have views of like all the, the ocean of right right off of Bandon on 17 and 18 and it's just dude it's stupid but your boy i made the first birdie of the trip i followed that with the first double bogey of the trip is that your so that first was, birdie this year since covid no i played cowboys and made five birdies uh leading up to this oh trip. that's right that's yeah. right you told me yeah so I, right. I kind of broke the the I, I went on a long drought without making birdies, by the way. And it, the longer it went, the harder it was to get a birdie. I mean, I literally be five feet out and miss a birdie putt. And I went to Cowboys. I made five birdies. Uh, Bandon all week, I made four birdies the whole week. But uh, it's just – How many a, on the par three? Just one. Yeah. Okay. Just one. I think me and uh, Ryan made a birdie on the par three course. But AJ, man, he played great all week. But – so we open up with preserve, and I, I would say that's the best thing to do because it just gets you out there. You get a feel for the greens. With Bandon, you can't just shoot the flag and hit that distance. You've got to be really creative. You know, hit it 20 yards short sometimes or 20 yards left and feed to the pen. You, you know, you're very rarely left the short, short putt. And if you are, sometimes it's just pure luck, and it's not from a great shot. So um, it's just a fun, you know, it's, it's gimmicky. Uh, it's challenging, but the next morning we opened up with band and dunes and then we played that afternoon at Pacific dunes and Pacific dunes always plays tough in the afternoon in the wind. And it was actually something that Janella said not to do, but I didn't make the schedule. So I just went with it, but band ba Pacific dunes is the one course where I've never broke 90 and we went out, we went out, I actually shot 83 and just kept it in control you know it was just like hey listen these long par fours into the wind or even even the short par fours into the wind you just got to play it like a par five and just hopefully you make a par get get away with the bogey whatever and ended up shooting a lower score which i was happy with but um sheep ranch the next day so we got to play sheep ranch for the first time you've, you've heard all about it there's been huge buzz on social media about sheep ranches that opened up last month the hype is real i mean this course First of all, we were extremely spoiled because when we went out there, there was absolutely no wind uh, the first time we played. Wow. That and is it's right on the coast with no trees, nothing. Um, and it's a gettable course. I mean, it opens up with really gettable holes. The first hole is the opening par five that's relatively short. And, you know, it's firm and fast if you're playing downwind or no wind. And so you're able to get extra distance. But – it's a great track. I mean, I would, I'm going to share where it falls in my rankings now, but it jumped up pretty dang high because that course, you just get taken in by extreme views. Uh, it's a gettable course. It leaves you at the end of the round feeling good about yourself. There's a couple holes, a uh, couple courses there where you just get beat up towards the end that you're kind of like, get me off of here, even though it was a great experience. <laughs> Yeah, But, you know, in, in the following days, we obviously got to play all of the courses. We played Old Mac in the afternoon, 40-mile-per-hour winds. We got to play um, Bandon Trails, and we got to play Sheep Ranch again. But um, I, got, I did hit the flag stick at Old Mac on a par three. 
I hit a bullet. So I'm lucky that I ended up hitting the flag stick, but I hit it and it dropped. And for like five seconds, I thought I got a hole in one, which would have been my first ever. Oh, that would have been awesome. That but would it been stayed amazing. to two feet and I, I made that putt. But like it was, it was overall it was a great trip. But at the end of the day, here's my rankings. Trails is number one. It's a place when you're walking that course, you don't see the ocean, but you are lost in like the forest. It's just the most that's beautiful cool. course that's out there. It, the greens are faster than all the other courses, which I like. I like playing fast greens. And I don't know. It's just like as you play, it just gets better and better and better. The last couple holes, though, are extremely difficult into the win. So you sometimes leave the course just pissed off, you know, because you're just like, wow, I, I could have shot a good number there, but the last two or three holes just absolutely destroyed me. Mm. So that that happened, actually. Coach Rusty ended up um, finishing on 18 with a bad number, but he ended up still shooting 79 on that course, which was a great score. But, um, you know, you get you left, you leave with a little bit of a bad taste, but overall it's still the best course out there in my opinion. And then I put yeah. Sheep Ranch right there at number two. Like automatically just jumps up to the number two spot. I mean, if you can play that in the morning, you're going to play a good round. Uh, the final hole is a 480-yard par five, and it generally pays, plays downwind. So I had, you know, a, a short iron in my hand. Coach Rusty had a 60-degree wedge in his hand into a par five. And I have to tell you Coach's story, and I know he's probably pissed me sharing this, but he <laughs> bombs his drive. I mean, literally the longest drive I've seen him hit all week. AJ bombs his drive, one of the longest I've seen him hit all week. AJ's probably got a wedge in his hand, like a pitching wedge. Rusty's got a 60-degree. A they both get on the green in two. They both make bogey. <laughs> <laughs> like, Coach is on the back of the green because he just hit his 60-degree too good. And he puts it off the green, dude. And it goes like 50 yards off the green. And he ends up making bogey. So pissed him off. But I, he ended up still shooting like 77 at Sheep Ranch with that. So uh, just good. And that was how we ended the week. It was, a great, it was a great week. Sheep Ranch, number two. Number three, I would say Pacific Dunes. Number four, Bandon Dunes. Number five, I'd say Old McDonald. And then, you know, you've got Preserve and Punch Bowl, which are just like your fun, go out with your boys, you know, at night type of deal. But, you know, I could probably I could probably switch back and forth on Bandit and Pacific, just given like the time you play it and stuff. So, but dude, I'm looking forward to going out with you there, Joe, one of these days, you know, and then you can give me your take I was take just about on. to say to, to the three listeners that actually care about what I have to say on this podcast, you know, <laughs> the three of you guys, if you ever want to get a foursome together and head out to Bandon without Travis and Rusty and AJ and talk, you guys can come on and be my guests that day on the podcast and we can talk about all the fun that we had. <laughs> it would be great. Um, oh salty so we actually had a fourth that was scheduled to come with us and he tested positive for covid which is you know he's uh asymptomatic too so you know unfortunate he got that and he's fine he's healthy but unfortunately but, he was able to get you know find that out so he didn't carry that yeah, on and get every other shout out to every shout out to everybody for being responsible and, and making sure they got that check because that's yeah I mean, that's not something to play with and you know i'm i'm you know i listen it's all good. I will make it at some point, <laughs> someday, somehow. No, great. no it, it, honestly, it was awesome. And, you know, the social, the guy who runs all their marketing up there, we got to play trails with him, which was a treat because he – Oh, nice. You know, it's, good, it's good to build that relationship with him as we go up there for future trips. Like I try to go up there 
every year, every year and a half. And, you know, to see him play up there, being a regular, playing with a driving iron and just knowing how to play the course, it was a treat to see that. He ends up shooting one under and made a couple mistakes down the stretch. But, like, to see that was just absolutely unreal. But if you haven't gone to Bandon, you absolutely need to check it out. Uh, We've got some good content up on the page already, but we're going to have more that comes out as, as AJ kind of edits some videos and stuff. But, you know, summertime curious. is definitely a hit. I mean, it's it's warmer weather, but it's windy. So. And I was going to ask about that. I mean, just thinking through it, you know, it, you got to walk out there, right? You have to walk. Yep. Carry your own bag most of the time. And, uh, you know, you're playing 36 a day, in some cases maybe more. How did you survive? I mean, I love you, but, like, (laughs) you got to be – you got to get tired. Yeah, I mean, when I first started going out there, you know – six years ago it was like 36 was no big deal and now i'm getting older it's it's more tough and you know the last couple of times i've been out there the guys i go with are older and they'll be like hey, let's do 36 the first day and then the next day let's do 18 and and it sucks when you do 18 it's tough because at the end of the day um you know you're you're beat up and you, you don't want to go but then you regret it after the fact so i definitely got uh hooked up though so you know, a lot of people, you know, if you use CBD, a lot of people, you know, live by it. You know, for me, you know, I've been working with Yips uh, CBD. You've probably seen it on my page. Um, I brought it out with me this last week at Bandon. Not only did it help me just get better sleep at night. I mean, you're tired generally just from playing yeah, so much and that. stuff, being out in the sun, but slept like a baby, you know, woke up, felt more fresh in the morning. Like by the end of the day, I was dead. Like my feet, my legs. Uh, you probably saw the video that we made about chafing, like how you, you just are dying at the end from walking so much. But I'd wake up and I felt like a new new dude. Like I just felt completely different and better. And I was able to just go out and grind 36 more holes. And then I came back and I'm, you know, dead again at the night, at nighttime. But, dude, it helped out a ton. And so hats off to those guys. I mean, dude, it's seriously the best <laughs> Sounds stuff. like. Sounds like the only time in history that a golfer's wanted yips. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, no, what that's, I, a, that's what I mean. Absolutely. No, I mean, dude, it was nice. And honestly, like a day or two in, I'm like taking it. And then the guys are like, dude, what are you taking? Like, what, you know, talk to me about this. Cause it's tough, man. I don't care how good of shape you're in. We walked 60 miles last week on the golf course. Yeah, you so, can I, you can send some of that my way because if it'll help me sleep at night. <laughs> Joe wants the yips. <laughs> bring on the yips, baby. Oh man, um, no, yeah, it was yeah. it was clutch, man. So I at the end of the day, I survived. I feel like a million bucks now, but there was a couple moments out there where I'm like, how am how am I going to play another golf hole? Like, or how am I going to play another golf shot? Like it was it was tough. So she's but. We're here. We're done. And, you know, we'll get something on the books with Joe to go out to Bandon sometime soon. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, look, I'm looking forward to uh, the 3M this week. See uh, Wolfie can defend his title and what goes on out there. And then we get into the meat of the, the schedule, see what happens there. So it's always a pleasure great, to man. catch up, man. And thanks to uh, Mizzen and Maine for sponsoring the podcast. Be on the lookout for the drop of the Wilson Polo this week. We'll be sharing it on our Need page. Those. Go check it out. All right, Joe. Take care, man. Will do, Travis. Good to see you.